Come, Holy Spirit, come by means of the powerful intercession of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, thy well beloved spouse. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. <clears throat> Be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. <clears throat> must put the teachings of Christ into practice. We must live the gospel with our lives, imitating Christ our Lord. Humanly speaking, this is not possible. Only with God's help can we do it. In our baptism, we received a share of God's own divine life. We call that sanctifying grace. In fact, along with sanctifying grace, share in God's life comes the divine indwelling. There's a rule in the spiritual life that just as on a natural level our bodies need food in order to nourish them, so does the supernatural life within us, within our souls, need to be fed. And how do we feed that life of God within us? Well, our prayer, through our good works, but especially by one sacrament, and that is the sacrament of the Holy Eucharist. Today we have our parish, Giovanna, making her first Holy Communion, and I'm going to speak to this great sacrament today with this, these introductory words that you just heard me speak. <clears throat> Jesus gives him, his, us himself, his very flesh and blood, the substance of it, in the Eucharist. The Son of God became man, lived among us, ate with us, slept with us, <clears throat> was fully human, lived a fully human life. But his humanity is all that could be seen. His divinity remained hidden from the human eye. We know that the Jewish leaders, the scribes, the Pharisees, envious of Jesus, <clears throat> persuaded Pilate to put him to death. Jesus suffered and died on the cross for our salvation. This was all part of God's plan. <clears throat> but that's not the end of the story, we know, because Jesus rose from the dead and ascended into heaven. <clears throat> You could say even more wondrously, the night before he died, Jesus made sure that he would remain with us always, not just in spirit, but in his very person, in the substance of his body and blood and soul and his divinity. And he did this by changing bread and wine into his body and blood. And he told his disciples, do this memory of me. In the Eucharist, Jesus remains with us, substantially, as we say, until the end of the world. And <clears throat> Jesus is even more hidden in the Eucharist than he was when he lived and walked on this earth, because all we see is how he appears to us under the form of bread. We see neither his divinity, which 
can't be seen, nor his humanity. Think of how Jesus humbles himself, coming to us under the form of ordinary bread. But we know that it is no longer bread, after those words of consecration are said. Why do we believe that it is really Jesus there in the Eucharist? It is not just a symbol, as some who call themselves Christians claim. Well, because at the Last Supper, he took bread and said, Take and eat, this is my body. And he took the wine and said, Take and drink, this is my blood. He didn't say, This is a symbol of my body and blood, but this is my body and blood. And, you know, when we eat ordinary food, the purpose of that is to change that food into us. Food is digested, becomes part of our body. With the Eucharist, it's just the opposite. We receive the body and blood of Christ in order that we may be changed into Him. When I'm instructing the little ones, preparing them for their First Communion, I ask them, why does Jesus give us His body and blood in the Eucharist? I say it's because He wants us to be changed into Him, to act like Him, to love like Him. One of the greatest saints, maybe the greatest saint, in regard to the Holy Eucharist is St. Peter Julian Amar. He lived in the middle of the 1800s in Italy. <clears throat> he founded the Blessed Sacrament Fathers. And his conferences that he would give to his fellow religious were compiled and they are available in different volumes. It's called the Amard Library. E-Y-M-A-R-D, Peter Julian Amard. Nine volumes, they're little books. I have one of them with me here today. This is the volume on Holy Communion. I was reading it over yesterday. We had First Communion at St. Therese, where I was last evening and today, actually, as well. And we have First Holy Communion at this Mass. I thought I would read a few lines from this great saint's thought on what the Eucharist is, Holy Communion. St. Peter Julian says, the Eucharist is a divine antidote which delivers us from venial sins and common faults. When we receive the Eucharist, if we're sorry for venial sins, those sins can be forgiven through the Eucharist. And not only that, as St. Peter Julian goes on to say, quoting the Council of Trent, that it preserves us from mortal sin. He says it's a fire which consumes the chaff of our spiritual imperfections. Now, St. <clears throat> Peter Julian in this work also explains how the sacrament of penance, confession, and the Eucharist are supposed to work in tandem, one with the other. And he says that confession cleanses us from sin, it does. But still, we are left with our fallen human nature and the inclination to sin. We call that incumbences. If there's anyone who goes to confession and then steps out and never commits the same sins again, tell me I'm really receiving me, because in my experience, that's not the case. We get a special strength in, in that sacrament to help us not fall into sin again, but 
Here's where the Eucharist comes in. St. Peter Julian explains, in the Eucharist, Jesus comes to us to counteract our evil desires, to strengthen us against the temptations of the devil. That is why we should receive the Eucharist frequently. <clears throat> this line was worth contemplating. I read it yesterday, and I thought I would repeat it in my homily this weekend. Holy Communion is happiness. I never really thought of that. It's happiness because, as St. Peter Julian says, what is happiness if not the possession of an infinite good, the real and permanent possession of God? Well, <clears throat> our ultimate happiness is when we will possess God and He will possess us in heaven. We're looking forward, all of us, to eternal beatitude, eternal happiness. All of us long for happiness. That's what Christ promises us if we obey Him. St. Peter Julian says that happiness is the fruit of communion because we receive the infinite good of Jesus Christ in this great sacrament. Therefore, we should be happy Christians, joyful Christians. <clears throat> St. Peter says, the more one desires to live a pure and holy life, the greater is one's need and the more urgent the obligation to receive Holy Communion frequently. He says, to grow in virtue, we must receive Communion, not because we are holy, but because we wish to become so. We go to communion because we are weak and overburdened by the labors of Christian life. And Jesus calls us to communion. He says, come to me, all you who labor and are burdened, and I will refresh you. What's he saying here? Well, if we want to grow in holiness, and if we're not growing in holiness, we're growing in unholiness. There's, there's no maintaining. Either we, we, we're climbing the mountain or we're descending it, okay? If we want to grow in holiness, in the likeness of Christ, we should be receiving communion frequently. Another thing I tell the little ones in preparing for communion is, you receive your first Holy Communion in order to receive Jesus again. And with every Holy Communion we receive, we should be growing in holiness, deepening our, our lives in conformity with Jesus Christ. St. Peter says we must live on the Eucharist. We must live on the Eucharist. Yes, Jesus says, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you. And <clears throat> I like to remind people the Eucharist is our pledge for being raised on the last day. All of us want to live forever. You can't live forever without the Eucharist. Unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life now, and I will raise him on the last day. Our being raised and bodies glorified, like Jesus has now, depends upon us receiving the risen, glorified body and blood of Jesus. That's what the Eucharist is. Jesus is in a glorified state now. That is why in the host we receive the body and blood of Jesus because his blood can't be separated from his body in a glorified state. And <clears throat> St. Peter says, 
Since we receive incarnate love, so often our whole life should be simply the development and unfolding of this love. The Eucharist is the love of God incarnate, Jesus Christ. If we want to love as Christ loves, which is the great commandment, love God with your whole heart, mind, soul, and strength, love your neighbor as yourself, we have to receive the Eucharist. I'm going to enter with a little petition, a little prayer of petition. It's from a, a book that I obtained uh, about 25 years ago, uh, Children's Stories. And this one was from the one story was about the Eucharist. And there's a little prayer which I think all of us can appreciate and embrace in light of what I've said today. Jesus, I believe that you are present in Holy Communion. Thank you, Jesus, for being so close to me. I promise to receive you often. May every one of my Holy Communions bring me closer to you. Jesus, I'll prove that I love you by receiving you often in Holy Communion. Let us make those words our own pledge to receive Holy Communion as frequently as we can, knowing that this is the source of our transformation in Christ to become those saints that he calls us to be. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen.